Hey there, I'm Danielle Ackeson, and this is the Silver Lining Live podcast. Everyone has a story to tell. I believe something can be learned from every situation. The Silver Lining Life gives everyone a voice. Real life people and experts share their life. They share how they've overcome tragedy, their victories, and their defining moments. So why is this important? Because it's easy to look at a person and think it's been so easy, quick, or perfect for them. But that is so far from reality. There is work, struggle, and heartbreak. As we will learn, a silver lining life isn't a perfect life. It's about enjoying the life you've been given and even those hard times. So sit back and get ready. It's going to be a fun ride. Hi, welcome back to the Silver Lining Life podcast. I am so excited today. We are here with Dr. Lindsay Weisner. She is a clinical psychologist, a podcast host of The Neurotic Nourishment, and she also is an author, which um, it is coming out on March 20th, of 10 Steps to Finding Your Happy, which is like the, in direct correlation with the United Nations International Day of Happiness, which I just love. I think that that is so fun. So welcome, Lindsay. I'm so happy you're here. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here and talk to you. So we are um, going to be talking about, obviously, mental health. We have a psychologist here and um, kind of the stigma that is associated with that and kind of breaking through it. So um, tell us your story, Lindsay. Absolutely. That sounds easy. <laughs> um, I, uh, so I think when we were sort of planning for this, I had one thing in mind. And then as we were talking before, it felt really natural to talk about something else because you're so easy to talk to. Um, So I grew up with a parent suffering from mental illness that was never fully and successfully and efficiently treated. Um, And it was my mother. And I can say that because my parents don't understand what a podcast is. So yay. (laughs) Um, And it was very tough because we, my family sort of refused to acknowledge it. My friends, I even have a friend that I've been technically BFFs with since we were 12. And it was only in the last four or five years that she turned to me and said, I thought you were making that shit up. Um, Because people don't know how to see it, talk about it. Uh, etc. So not surprisingly, I messed up childhood caused me to, in part to become a psychologist. Also, I I love the way things work. And Uh one of my first college psychology professors told me not to become a psychologist because I'd never do anything with it. And I you know, my life has been raised. On, I've been reared and raised on doubt and uh, no way that was going to happen. So I, I did become a psychologist and I, I love what I do. But along the way, I absolutely realized that part of the baggage that I carried with me from childhood was difficulty trusting females. Um, for that reason, social media, these connections, connections like these, Uh meeting incredible women and talking about the fact that life doesn't end at motherhood and it doesn't have to has been huge. And I really think it was only, it was only when I became a mom and realized just how fucked I was and knowing what was going on, partially due to my own childhood, partially due to the fact that I didn't have any uh, and probably no one trusted me to babysit their children based on my parents. <laughs> but also, I just didn't have any interest in babies because they were weird and foreign. 
Mm-hmm. But my husband is fantastic and has always had experience with kids and is close with his nephews. And now we are too. But uh, this baby came out and I didn't know what the heck to do with it. And other moms did. And that was the first time in my life I really learned to trust women and female friendships. And I have met some fantastic women along the years and claimed some uber fantastic Instagram and, you know, social media women as my new besties, whether they like it or not. (laughs) And about, (laughs) it's true. Um, And about six months ago, (laughs) seven months ago, a friend and I, fairly new friend, we were sitting at the park. It was spring break. We were in a small town. And those of us that don't go away basically just drag our kids to the elementary school and are like, Lord of the flies it up. So (laughs) (laughs) while we were there, we were bantering because we're very different. She's nutritionist, holistic, very um, lovable and all good and spiritual and believes in every self-help book that comes along and psychics too. And so we were arguing about something ridiculous and silly. And one of our other friends suggested, she's like, you guys should start a podcast. I had never listened to a podcast that wasn't true crime based. And, um, (laughs) and literally two days later, we were talking about names I named it. And a week later, she came to my house, whipped out her phone, her phone, and we recorded the worst sound ever for a podcast. So um, recently, and my eight listeners don't know this yet, but uh, about two, three weeks ago, we had a conscious uncoupling. And <laughs> I still love her to death, and she loves mm-hmm. me, but we realize it's just two different directions and it was mm-hmm. probably one of the hardest things that's ever happened to me in adulthood because it brought up all this stuff from my childhood. And I just said I was listening to a recent episode of yours about these two amazing women that came together and created this podcast. And I was jealous. I was envious. But I was also able to see, like, I would never have done this on my own. And yeah. I needed this woman in my life for friendship, for possible podcast future for everything else to overcome my mother issues mm-hmm. and um and it was great and i love her to death and we you know we're going to we're going to continue to find ways to weave or braid ourselves together rather than being stuck because that's not good for either one of us and also as a result of my my childhood and uh, coming from the mother that i have I have accidentally stumbled into a niche specialty of suicidal teenagers, which I swore I would want nothing to do with because my God, the legal ramifications of that. Yeah. The emotional ramifications. And also I have always since day one, given my patients free access to text me, uh, call me. I say 12 hours, I'll get back to you. The truth is no one sleeps for more than 12 hours. So (laughs) to you god i don't think i have since college and that was after a really rough night (laughs) no i have three children so there's no sleeping for that long (laughs) yeah i have two i haven't set. i set an alarm the day before we left for thanksgiving and that was because our plane was at 6 a.m and other than that i count on my 11 year old who is like a 
roosters. So, um, <laughs> but you know, I think because of my upbringing, which was and continues to be traumatic, mm-hmm. you can tell me a lot. And uh, you know, a, a teenage patient can tell me they're thinking about suicide. I've never had homicide. Part of me kind of wants to because it would be a change, mm-hmm. but um, thankfully, I have not. But you can tell me a lot of awful things and I'm not going to send you to a hospital because to me, if someone tells you they're thinking about suicide, but have no plan, have no intent, and you send them to a hospital, you are literally tearing down every, every strength that they have because you are telling them you don't trust them to care for themselves. You don't mean to, it's your training, mm-hmm. but I've been doing this for 15 years and so I feel comfortable going with my gut, which is also not something I was brought up to go with. So yeah, I don't know. So I think this is part of why I was really interested in connecting with you and your amazing pod because it's taken me a long ass time to get here. Mm-hmm. And now I'm excited about my book mainly because I want to use it as a platform to raise awareness about destigmatizing because if we finally get people to talk about the shit that makes us crazy and then we send them off to a mental institution or we shame them or, or we mm-hmm. refuse to use the word suicide because it's not socially acceptable, we're just continuing to – it's like a snowball effect of making them feel worse. Um, mm-hmm. And someone needs to not – and for better or for worse, I feel like I'm uniquely qualified not to freak out. When someone <laughs> says they don't want to live. I, I yeah. Know. I know. It's crazy, but it's true. Um, I, I think that that is really important that you can, A, like you understand where they're coming from because you've been exposed to it your entire life. Um, but also that you can maintain that level of like, okay, here's what's going to happen. Like, you know, like, not the panic and the, oh my God, here's what we need. You know, like you can maintain and be like, okay, this is, this is what we need to talk about. This is where we need to go with this as opposed to like the, what is that reactive and the, mm, it's too late. But you know, it doesn't matter because my brain went somewhere that you didn't mean, but I understand what you mean. You know, listen, it's entirely possible that five, 10 years from now, I'll regret my passive, approach, but A, I want to hope that's not true. And B, I think that I I think that we have to start talking about mental illness. I, this is so trite, but I'm gonna do it anyways. The same way we talk about physical illness, mm-hmm. I think it has to be okay to admit that you don't feel okay. Mm-hmm. I also think that as a psychologist, I meet with these patients once a week and I'm ridiculously well-trained. I'm fairly smart, except when it comes to my own children. And then I just lose my shit like the rest of us. (laughs) I, you know, all too often a school will panic or a parent will panic. And I can't quite convey to them that we have to pause, you know, which listen, my kids are pretty certain I'm going to marry my pediatrician if my husband should ever die or we divorce. He's like a 75-year-old Orthodox man, and I worship the ground he walks on because 
I probably saw him more than my husband some days when the kids were younger. <laughs> you know, so I get the overreaction and I get the anxiety piece. And eventually I went on anxiety meds and I see him a little less, but still often. Mm-hmm. But um, I think as a society, when we make things not okay, it just makes people feel worse about it. Yeah. And we live in a society of Instagram of perfection. And even when like, you know, there's some people who share a vul- and I'm putting it in quotes that people can't see, but a vulnerable post that isn't vulnerable, you know? No, you know it's never about? vulnerable. It's never like I fucked up. It's like, right. oh no, that's not true. I know a few that I really like. Um, I can't remember, but I'll, I'll tell you later. But um, yeah. but the bulk, yeah. the bulk of what you're seeing on Instagram, even if it's a vulnerable post, you are, you're going to feel it and you're going to roll your eyes when you see it because you're like, this is not real. Like, you're not being vulnerable. You're just sharing something awesome that you did, but you want it to seem like it's not. Anyways. It's because well, we're all over the hashtag blessed shit. So we're all like... We're like, you know what we should talk about? Oh my God, I messed up. I forgot to send my kid an extra fruit roll up for lunch. And that's not what we do. We really make mistakes as parents, right. as moms, as people. Like, Right. And, and I mean, I'm not saying I'm sharing my dirty laundry on Instagram either, but it's, I think it's hard for some people to be scrolling and think of it in that filter of, you know what? I'm a hot mess. So that mom is actually a hot mess too. She's just sharing her highlight reel. She's just sharing what happened in that one second frame when she took this picture. And, but, but instead, like, it's easy to go inside and be like, this isn't, this isn't what my life is. My Christmas tree doesn't look as beautiful as that Christmas tree or whatever it is. My kids don't look that beautiful in their in their matching pajamas. We don't have the matching pajamas. You know what I mean? Like we're in that season of Christmas and all of that. And I think that that makes the scrolling probably even a little harder um, because it's hard to remember that everybody's a hot mess. I agree. There's an, it's, it's hot mess mom that I'm thinking of. Her name is Mandy, but I can't remember her whole handle, but she is fantastic and says all the, and these are my people. Mm -hmm. Because I'm going to mess stuff up all the time. But you're right. And it's the holiday season. And it's, uh, you know, it's, I don't know when this is going to air, but I know that I just got back from Thanksgiving and it was a hot fucking mess. And Mm -hmm. I am grateful that it only occurs once a year. And I was both sad teary sad and also inspired by someone has put something out about a tablecloth where every time they host thanksgiving they choose one color marker and each person writes their name on it and Mm -hmm. over the years you know it i can just imagine like people dying but children getting better handwriting and it sounds so beautiful to me but i realized knowing my family and my husband's i could never do it Mm -hmm. it wouldn't happen because it's not a goal that i could or should aspire to. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's important because I think that there's also a lot of, um, the other way, like the Pinterest mom, I feel like is like made a total joke of like this, this person out there doing all of the things because she wants to do all of the things. And I feel like people are tearing her down because like, she's not the, like, she's not portraying herself as this big hot mess, but she likes to do the crafts and she likes to do the homemade thing. And I, I just think it's like such an interesting dynamic. So I love that you're like, this is not where I want to focus my time, but it's not like 
that Pinterest mom is ridiculous. You know what I mean? No, I don't care. First of all, I, I'm not on Pinterest because every time they ask me to create an account, I'm like, this is just one more th- a password I'm going to fucking forget. But also, <laughs> interestingly, when my, particularly with my son, who is now super creative and um, techie and like Cody, coding mm-hmm. stuffy. And I'm going to take partial credit for this because I think because I was so confused as to what to do with this being, I did a lot of art projects with mm-hmm. him, not complex art projects, just Michael's store-bought art projects. And also like baking and decorating because there was a start and an end. Mm-hmm. And it made me feel like I had accomplished something and it made it feel like he had accomplished something. And so I would never fault those Pinterest moms, nor would I assume to know why they're doing it. Mm-hmm. I also think there are some people for whom this just comes easier. Like none of us are perfect, but I think if you're brought up with a mom who believes that this is what everything should be like, well then it, it all has to do with attachment. It's complicated, but the point <laughs> is it is complicated, but if you're brought up with a, a, a mother or a father who's attuned to your emotions, whatever they are, and able to respond accordingly and validate you, then maybe you really are a genuine Pinterest mom, mm-hmm. and that's fantastic. I don't fault you. It hasn't been my experience ever. I hate Thanksgiving, always, but I also, <laughs> but I also get that... Um, Anything rough that has come in my past has made me, has, oh my God, this is going to sound so Pinteresty, has given me the, the gift and the patience to be like, tell me about your death wish. I'm cool mm-hmm. with it. And, yeah. you know, like that's what's made me who I am. And even my breakup with my, with my co host, you know, uh, I had to decide if I have the balls, uh, intellect, and self-confidence to continue doing a podcast on my own and what it meant to me. And the truth is, and I'm sure you'll, you'll there, you know, validate this. It's not about money or fame or fortune. Sadly. I've made it. <laughs> I've made a dollar 73 from anchor. Thank you very much. I might be able to afford a soda tomorrow, um, <laughs> but it is about me hopefully spreading a message at best mm-hmm. At worst, just getting the opportunity to connect with women who disprove what I grew up with and who prove yeah. to me that in my small town, this isn't all there is. Um, mm-hmm. Fantastic women in my small town, but I want to, I want more women. At, oh God, this sounds sexy and awful, but I want more women and more experiences <laughs> and more people to prove that we can do what we want. We can be who we want and we can show our, I have a daughter. We can show our, our children that obstacles are going to come up. You just keep going. Mm -hmm. You know, my, my husband uh, calls me the queen of second chances. And it's because I'm not going to get it right the first time. Like that's not how he means it, but that's how it's been my experience. You know, (laughs) I graduated from Georgetown University, fantabulous school, but I didn't get it right the first time, so I transferred. You know, mm-hmm. I am the queen of second chances because I keep going and because there have been people in my life that taught me to keep going. Not, yeah. You know, and, and that's huge. And that's, I'm sure social media shames the shit out of a lot of people, but for me, it's given me this fantastic opportunity. 
Yeah. And I think that that is like kind of what are you looking for in social media? Because I think it's easy to scroll and be like, that person is wretched. Or you could be scrolling and be like, oh my gosh, I want this person to be my BFF. Like, this is the kind of people I want in my life. And, you know, I've made connections with people all over the world because of social media. And they know my heart better than people who live, you know, five minutes away. Totally. And, and I think that that is so needed in this world um, because you don't have to feel alone because you can literally find anyone in the like, what, 7.5 billion people. Um, I don't math, so I don't have a clue what the number is. So I'm just going (laughs) to nod prettily, but no one else can see me. So, (laughs) but, but I, I feel like social media can be seen as the devil or it can be seen as a great connector and it's what, however you view it is, however it's going to be. It's also depends on how old you are and how many people ask you for bra pics or boob. Yes. Yes, definitely. As a 35 year old mother. No one's asking. Oh, fuck. No one's asking. (laughs) I have breastfed two children. You do not want to see my bra or boob. (laughs) But no one's interested. But yes, I do agree with you. It is totally different for a teenager. I think it is. um, That's a whole nother scary world. (laughs) Like as a parent, my kids are very little from six to two. So I we're not into the social media part yet. But that is something that does scare me as a parent because the constant bullying, you can't get away from what is happening at school. And that makes home even not safe because you have that on your phone right there in your hand. Yeah. We, so, uh, you know, this because of our disastrous first attempt at a connection, at which point we decided if we could both laugh at this ridiculous, we could get along. Um, but come on, it was so poignant. It was great. I was like, she's never going to take me. (laughs) Um, but I just moved into a new house and, uh, cable, whatever you use is a ginormous, there aren't even enough swear words to discuss it, but like, basically I think my husband just called every available cable company and was like, whoever comes first. So I had to be home for like days. Uh, but we were discussing what rooms to wire and I think, I'm pretty sure I'm going to hold to this. What I've decided is you don't need screen time in your room. You don't need cell phones in your room. You don't need a computer. You don't need a television because nothing good is going to happen in your room. Mm-hmm. My kids are going to hate me, but honestly, they're 8 and 11. They already do. But there, <laughs> <laughs> like, there is some way to, to try to protect them, but we can't protect them from everything. Right. Yeah. And I think that that's a very good answer is you don't really need that much access where we can't see what you're doing. Right. I think that I, makes a lot of sense. I just don't think you're going to flash your boobs or bra if you're in my living room. So right. I could be wrong, but we'll see. <laughs> yes. Please report back. <laughs> Will do. I'll be like, my kid showed her boobs. Oh, my poor kid. I am the most embarrassing mother. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I I am 100% sure she's not going to do that, so it's okay. (laughs) Fingers crossed. Sign of the cross, whatever. (laughs) Definitely. Okay, so as as you are having more of these, like, mental health conversations and bringing it to the forefront, what what is your, like, major goal with that? Like, what changed? um, I want to make it 
Uh, it's so trite, but basically I want to destigmatize mental health. I know too many patients that have come to me, either already patients or, or future, you know, pa- new patients mm-hmm. that have come to me and being like, I talked about how depressed I was. I said, I had thought about suicide. I was sent to a hospital for seven hours. These very well-educated, not so experienced people asked me a lot of questions and I got stuck there for seven hours. So now I don't ever want to talk to anyone about it. Mm-hmm. So uh, my book about happiness, it's good. Like it has 10 concrete steps to finding happiness, or I'm sorry, 10 steps to finding happiness and concrete actions you can take. I was also fortunate enough and brilliant enough because it was my idea. My co-author is amazing and she has written a ton of books, particularly young adult novels and um, children's novels. She writes about the American Revolution. It's very complex, but my children like it. But Mm -hmm. my thought process was she's the average person if the average person was into the Revolutionary War. And I... (laughs) Who's saying they're not? Oh, everyone. Everyone. Um, I guess it's better than World War II, but whatever. And I am the clinical psychologist and smart, sweary mom, if I do say so myself. Mm-hmm. But who else is out there and what can they contribute? So we, I, recruited 24 expert writers in various fields and some are some of them are happy like i have a psychologist who writes a a blog like a it's like a broadway blog and she basically interviews people or watches broadway shows and relates it to psychology issues she's really successful mm, and she's interesting I, I know it's like tough for me to explain um and there's a word for it like dramaturgy or something that i learned in english 101 that i don't remember i have um, a professional jazz singer. There is a woman, her name is Alexa Rose Carlin. She is amazing. And she once runs a women empowering expo. It's basically the idea is like, let's work together instead of against mm-hmm. it has been the last few years. It has been in South Florida and also Washington DC. So, um, twice a year. And I have an art teacher. I have a dance and movement therapist that works in palliative care with children. Oh God. Nope. Couldn't do it. So uh, I know, but we literally found 24 people to talk about either what makes them happy or what happiness is for them or some little snippet about something they've overcome. And Mm -hmm. So I feel like we're speaking for a number of people. Yeah. Not just a clinical and not just a personal. And this is fantastic. But, and, and thank God my co-author doesn't listen to a lot of podcasts. I want to take it bigger. You know, Mm -hmm. I have this fantasy. It's not sexual, but at this point it might as well be because I've been working on it forever. (laughs) (laughs) That on March 20th, 2020, when the book is released in association with the International Day of Happiness, we can sort of storm the social media pages with a picture of each of us holding, it's a postcard, it's the front cover of the book. I don't give a shit if you have anything, nothing to hold. I just want to 
I really want to make the hashtag 10 steps and the stigma. Mm -hmm. It's not a coincidence that my book is called 10 steps defining happiness, but to me, the book is a starting point to talk about something more important, which is teens and suicide. And again, I'm glad my co-author doesn't listen to my podcast, you know, stuff. She just listens to Howard Stern, which is odd. But I, I just want to find – it's like the red nose day. I just want to find mm-hmm. some way to, to go big enough that we, that we think about – whatever. That we think about <laughs> – just to go big enough that, that we think about the fact that there are people out there that need help that don't know how to ask for it. Mm-hmm. And if we don't talk about it, they're all alone. So. Yeah. That's my fantasy. My ways of accomplishing that, I'm pretty much just going to start assaulting you in like March and being like, hey, who do you know? What can you do? I I don't have- Literally everyone listening. Yeah, literally. Yeah, I'm coming for all of you. I don't have a solid plan. I just have a solid desire. I I love that dream. And I think that it is um, so important. And like when- when you said like, what makes you happy? That's such a huge question. Like- that is the question we ask. Okay. So Danielle, let's turn the ter- tables on you. Do we have time? Yeah. I'm doing it anyway. You're fine. <laughs> so um, every guest that comes on our slash my, may it rest in peace. I'm a Jew. I don't know how to do it correctly, but um, <laughs> our- she was crossing herself. Yeah. It's too bad. You don't have video. You need video. <laughs> Except that I haven't put on lipstick and I've been at work all day. But every, you know, we ask the question, like, what is happiness? Because Mm -hmm. in writing this book, it's really occurred to me, happiness means something different for everyone. And I don't know that we all have, not acceptable, but like realistic expectations of happiness. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're on the hot spot. What does happiness mean to you? So what is happiness to me? Uh, well, like you mentioned earlier about like becoming a mom, how that like changed things for you. And I think becoming a mom, I realized that happiness is in those little moments and it's not in the big moments. It's in the little things. It's in those little, like I was telling somebody the other day, we were, we were in the, in the truck and the boys, they love this band that's called the Okie Dokie Brothers. And if you have little kids, it will not make you want to like gouge out your eardrums. Like as long with, as it's not a, a baby shark, I'm cool. It's not baby shark. Um, they're kind of bluegrassy and folky, but like funny and just endearing and lovely. Anyways, and it is. <laughs> you should have, get I'm paid for that promo. Get paid for that promo. Yeah. <laughs> I'm giving you so much information, but they have this song. It's called How, and in it. Like they howl. And so my boys are obsessed with this band. And so they're all howling. So all three of them are howling, including my husband. So actually all four of them are, and it's dark. And so I just opened my phone and just did like recorded a video. They had no idea I was doing it, but it it like brought as dumb as the sounds. It like brought tears to my eyes. because I was like, this is like a magical moment. And I don't know. I would have appreciated it pre-children, but it was like, this is just so cute and innocent and sweet and beautiful all at the same time. And it was like, my heart is so full, you know? And it's not just magical for you. I bet you a million dollars that in 10, 15 years, one of them brings it up. Yeah. It was, it was such a cool moment and it was just dark and they were just howling. And it was like, I think like the perfect release anyways, you know, that like (laughs) getting, getting the energy out. Um, 
but yeah, so I, I think happiness is little moments. I don't think it's big moments. I think it's little moments that to maybe somebody just walking by would seem like nothing, but to, to me, it's everything. I agree. I think that's so amazing. It's funny. So I, I finished with patients. I ran home. I asked my, as I was driving home, it's snowing, it's sleeting. It's disgusting. And I called my husband. I was like, uh, only podcasters will understand this, but I was like, I need you to move rugs and the beanbag chair into the office, turn on the computer. He's like, okay. And then I got home and then I had to pee because I'd been working for like 12 hours. Mm -hmm. I went to the bathroom and I come out and there's my daughter an hour past her bedtime, but waiting to give me a hug goodnight. Mm. And it was the fact that she was there. And I, you know, it's true. Like happiness changes. I wit, I'm glad that it's not a Pinterest moment. Mm-hmm. No shade to those of you who can manage that shit, but my mine would look like Pinterest fails, but it is those it's howling. It's, one last hug before bed. It's the knowledge that if they're asking you to tuck them in for the third time, it's not going to last forever. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's huge. And, and I think you made such a great point on the expectation. And, you know, I think it's so, especially on holidays. And I don't mean for this to like keep coming back to the holidays. Doesn't matter. I hate holidays. Like keep there. going. <laughs> but, but we're there, you know. And, and I think especially for so many moms, like we build up, it needs to be this big, huge, magical moment and, you know, all of the things. And then when it's not that, like your kid is sick or they're misbehaving or they're ungrateful or all of those things, like you're crushed, you're diminished because you had these huge expectations. But if you have the expectation that we are going to have the day we're going to have, we're going to be present, we're going to be here, it's going to be way more magical than trying to orchestrate the magic. I agree. And I can also tell you from a shrink perspective, like from the person that ends up with the adults for whatever reason, the couples, the, the teens, I don't work with children because then I get mad at the parents, but like, sorry, it's true. Um, it, it's not, it's not the perfect Thanksgiving dinner. It's not the perfect de- decorations. That's not what they remember. They mm-hmm. remember those weird, quirky moments that didn't go great and you made the most of. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and that that should be our goal. Less so Pinteresty, unless you're just perfect. And if so, thank God for you. Because <laughs> otherwise we'd have nothing to aspire to. So that is true. That's very true. Um, there was something that you said in that that made me. Was it brilliant? Think of something. It was so brilliant. And now it's <laughs> obviously. <laughs> but but just just think that something brilliant was going to come out of my mouth. Um, but instead, we'll go to our last two questions. Yes, yes. Um, I'm so excited because I want to be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> I love that we have hit on like so many things in this episode. Okay. So if someone is at the beginning of your journey and you can put that where at whatever little story that we've told kind of along the way here that just reminds me of the bachelor so is it bachelorette so is it like the first night the second (laughs) night fine however however you want to do it not that i would Um, watch that because it's so awesome okay go on (laughs) um at the beginning of your journey what is your advice or encouragement i'm so glad i didn't ask for this before because i don't know what the beginning of my journey is and uh, so I guess like it could be about the, the, the child with the mom who is, who's had all these things, or it could be the podcast and 
that it didn't, it didn't work out how you thought it would like any of those things. Like I feel like any of that is. I, I kind of want to think that every day is the beginning of my journey. And I know that sounds super self-help-y and cheesy. And by the way, I never thought I'd be a self-help self-help author. I actually have a fiction agent who's like, what the hell are you doing with self-help? But um, I kind of want to think that every day is the beginning of our journey because one of my favorite expressions is if I'm the same now as I am 10 years from now, I have literally wasted 10 years. Uh If you, if you want to be a therapist, go to therapy. Uh, figure out why because it's important and it's going to shade the way you see everything if you are struggling with a mom with mental illness find someone who believes you doesn't have to be a therapist find someone and if they don't believe you and if they don't understand find someone else because there's nothing worse than having people tell you that it's not happening or it's you or something Uh if you're a mom and you're feeling crappy and you don't know what to do with your kids, it doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. If you don't like women or you don't trust them, figure out why. And uh, if you want to do something different, do it. Because honestly, there's so many of us podcasters out there. The, the worst that you can do is fucking fail. And no one gives a shit. And if, you're, if you want to coach something, coach it. Because you know what? That's not even a real thing. It's a real helpful thing, but it's not a real thing. So you can't fail. You can only make it your own. I love that. And if you're a writer looking to publicize a book and, you know, slam social media with something that seems impossible, you might as well keep fucking talking about it because there's nowhere to go, but up, down, it doesn't matter. And if no one, if no one does it, no one's heard you. So you haven't lost anything. Sorry, I have the worst answers to questions. No, I loved it. <laughs> you loved it. You're um, like, how do I edit that so it sounds human? But I'm fine with that. <laughs> no, I really liked it. Um, and then it reminded me we were before we were recording. We were. I was telling her that she needs to read the book Educated. And I'm um, excited, but you don't have the name of the person. Oh I'll yes, Google. I oh. I will give you the name of the person. Um, but. Um, Apparently you can put it in show notes, but I don't know what show notes are. So yes, there are show notes. But anyways, the the reason that I was going to bring that up was because in educated, which is very much about mental health. um, And I don't want to spoil the whole book for you. I was going to say, are you trying to embarrass me that I don't know everything about mental health? I have a mom. No, it's not going to work on me. (laughs) No. Okay. The author's name is Tara Westover. Um, and I feel like I need to edit most of everything out that I'm saying currently. No. But anyways, in the, in the book, people don't believe her. And so then like, she's like questioning, like, did it really happen? Did this, re-? like, it was, it was just so fascinating. It's very honest and very raw book. Um, and- Have you ever read Glass Castle? Yes. Yeah. I can't and- remember the name of the author, but that was fantastic. It was the first time Is I felt Alice not- Wells maybe. It could be John Doe or Jane Doe, but it like it's it's not, very good. It's very good. God, I love it. And it was made into a movie that I never mm-hmm. saw because I, I never saw the in, movie either. I don't <laughs> believe in movies. I believe in books. I mean, I believe in crap movies, but I believe in books more than movies. Yeah. But um, if you're doubting someone's story, that doesn't mean it's not true. And so that's yeah, amazing. And so now this is going to be added to my my list and um. I don't know. Listen, I think it's amazing that 
these things happen and we haven't found a way to solve them, but maybe we're not supposed to. Yeah, that's a good point too. That's a very good point. Um, because think of all the lessons that have come from this. I know. Did you ask me my second question and I don't remember? No. We're oh, to thank the, God. We're, we're to the fun. You're like, what did I say? I'm like, okay. did I just black out in this room of probably asbestos <laughs> poisoning? Because we just moved it. I have no, there could be asbestos. So I don't know. If I so go third things. eye, let me know if there's a third eye that develops. You're good. <laughs> so many things we're editing out of this. Okay. So the last question I don't, I edit nothing out. By the way, when you come on my podcast, I edit nothing out. You know why? It's not human. It actually, the only things that um, I've edited out one time, um, someone was coughing a lot. So we edited that out. And you want me to start coughing? Cause I totally will, but just kidding. No, we don't need to go down that road. And then there was something else. I've never edited content out really because I don't feel like, I mean, anyways. Okay. So I'm the last question. I've got to, I want to learn from you and that's what it is. And I have so many questions. So, and also whenever anyone's like, do you want me to edit anything out? I'm like, nah, I'm pretty much an open book. So. <laughs> okay. Last question. If you're in a funk and nothing horrific, but just like meh, um, do you shift it? And if you do, what do you do to shift it? <sighs> this sounds so interest, but I really like going to the gym. Mm -hmm. I really like going to the gym for a long ass workout. And by the way, I'm not in excellent shape, but I have found, <laughs> but I have found that like option two and probably a default that I've learned from my mother is having a drink and one drink usually leads to more. And I have mm -hmm. no problem with wine, although I prefer whiskey, but it's not going to change my mood and it's still going to mm -hmm. be same saying the same, but I really do believe that there are certain things that trigger our happy hormones. Uh, seasonal affective disorder is a real thing. I'm from Florida. So you know what? Once in a while I visit a tanning salon and get some of those, uh, even if it's not actually there, I at least get the, the tan and I feel prettier. I love going to the gym for like a really long time. Mm -hmm. Even if my body hurts, my mind hurts less. And yeah. Uh, reading a book or my husband has the key for my, like he holds the key for my happiness, which is basically, do you want to order sushi? And I say, <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> None of those are necessarily brilliant, but, um, but you have to know yourself and know what makes you better. Yep. Yep. I totally agree. Well, this has been so fun. And I love that we hit on like every subject imaginable. <laughs> and Sorry. So it's, no, I, no, no need to be sorry. I love it. Um, it's late. My ADD meds have worn off. So. so this is where we are. Um, and I just, that's just where I go. So uh, if someone wants to connect with you, what's the best way to do that? I want to make a joke, but I don't have one. Um, so currently I am on Instagram at psych shrink mom I have been on for about seven months, so don't judge because this has been a steep learning curve. You can also find me <laughs> on Instagram at 10 Steps Finding Happy. And my podcast is at Neurotic Nourishment. So, oh, and Twitter as Lindsay S. Callen, K-A-L-L-E-N. And that's because I started that when I got my fiction agent. She thought it would be helpful. And now I just get to say random shit at all places. So please connect. <laughs> I would love to connect. I would love to answer any questions. I will not give you psychological help, but I will absolutely give you directions, emotional support, and make you laugh or embarrassed. 
I love it. I love it. Thank you so much for being here. This is so fun. So fun. Hey, I hope you loved that episode. If you did, please rate, subscribe, and share with anyone you feel needed to hear that message. Also, please find me on social media at The Silver Lining Life because I would love to hear your favorite takeaways from today's episode. Can't wait to hear from you soon. Thanks for being here. Bye.